want you to put your books under your chair and take out a piece of paper and a pencil, write your name on the top of the paper. Uh, we're going to get ready to have a pop quiz. <laughs> I don't know about you, but whenever I hear those words, I'm carried back to high school and I can just feel the tingle go down my back of being unprepared for such things. The reason I mention that is because that's what the gospel was about this morning, was it not? Jesus giving a pop quiz to his apostles. In the chronology of the scriptures, we are about two years into his three-year ministry, two-thirds of his ministry, in which he is preparing his followers, his apostles, to take over uh, the responsibility of being the witnesses to the Christian gospel and bringing the faith to all of the people. And so they have had a chance to hear him preach. They've heard the gospel. They've seen his miracles. They have listened to him as he took time away from the crowds to explain to them the significance of some of the parables that he used in his teaching so that he could bring them along and help them to understand and make them uh, uh, attentive to the grace of the Holy Spirit that needed to work within them to, uh, to help them continue uh, to grow uh, in their commitment to, to Jesus Christ. And so here we find him in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi still exists today, and when you go to Israel, you can go north of the Galilee and go up in the mountains into the Golan Heights, and very close to the border with Assyria is the town of Caesarea Philippi. And there's some wonderful uh, uh, relics, remnants of the old town uh, that existed there. Caesarea Philippi has two names because it was meant to honor two different people. First of all, Caesar, the ruler of all of Rome and the emperor of the world, and also Philip, who was the son of Herod the Great. And when Herod died and his kingdom was divided, that northern part of the kingdom was given to his son Philip. And Philip tried to outdo his own father in his cruelty with his people. What distinguished Caesarea Philippi is that it was not only a place in the cool mountain area where Philip and Caesar could come and relax, but it was also a place of pagan worship. The worship of the Romans for all of their gods that they honored and worshiped and sacrificed to. And also the worship of the Canaanite gods. And there in Caesarea Philippi, on the sheer edge of a large mountain area, you can actually see the remains of the temples that were carved into the mountainside. And some of the statues of their deities of all the Roman deities. And this is where they went to worship the pagan gods. And there in the middle, as if someone had thrown in a bomb and blew out half of the mountainside, is a huge cavern and a deep cave below it. And this is reputed to be the place of the Canaanite worship, where they would provide human sacrifice to their gods 
and kill the people chosen for sacrifice and throw them into the cave and also the small children and infants who were chosen to be sacrificed to their bloodthirsty gods. This was everything that stood against what Jesus came to preach. This was everything that Jesus came to save us from and lead us away from that false kingdom that by whatever name it was known or whatever deity it was honored, it was in fact Satan. And it was Satan who was worshipped there. And that in fact is what all of us face in our lifetime when we, have to, when we come to that fork in the road where we have to choose between the reality of whether we are going to follow Jesus Christ or whether we are going to follow Satan. Those are the two choices that we make. And isn't it interesting that this is where Jesus brings his apostles for the pop quiz that he wants to give them to see how much of what he has taught them has stuck (laughs) and how much does he still need to emphasize with them. Two questions on the pop quiz. Who do the people say that I am? Well, that was a pretty easy one for them to answer because whenever they traveled with Jesus and Jesus was preaching and, and healing, they were mingling with the crowd and talking with the people And they frequently would hear the conversations of the people and they knew what the people thought. They knew what they had expressed about their uh, evaluation of Jesus of Nazareth. So when he asked them, who do people think that I am? They said, well, they all think you're some, a prophet. They agree that you are a prophet. Some even think you may be the great prophet Elijah who never died but was carried off into heaven in a fiery chariot and whom their Jewish tradition said that when the Messiah came, he would come back to introduce the Messiah. And some think that you are Elijah who've come to introduce the Messiah. Some think you're John the Baptist, whom King Herod beheaded, but that God had raised from the dead and that you are a new embodiment of John the Baptist, or others of the prophets. And they gave a whole list of things that they had heard the people talk about. Jesus said that's very interesting. Now, the second question on the quiz, which is really the most important one. How about you? Who do you say I am? You and I have spent a lot of time together And you have heard me and we have talked and you have questioned me and I have answered you and I've tried to bring you along and to make you open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the grace of my Father. Where are you there? Who am I to you? What difference do I make in your life? Well, you could have cut the silence with a knife. It was so pronounced as they wonder what they're going to say to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Peter blurts out a perfect theological answer to Jesus' question. 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you make my heart feel good. (laughs) You are blessed. But I want you to understand something, Peter. These are not your words. You didn't reason to this understanding. You didn't come to this knowledge on your own. My Father who is in heaven has entered your heart and has given you this knowledge. And you have spoken it out publicly, but I understand you don't fully understand the significance of what you've said. But I rejoice because you are in tune with the Father and are allowing him to influence your thought and thinking. Now, Peter still has a long way to go, and you'll hear about that next Sunday when we talk about what Peter did after this, when he feels so good about being complimented by Jesus on giving such a wonderful answer, then Jesus talks about his, the importance of his upcoming death and the fact that he is going to have to die and will rise again. And Peter objects to that and tries to dissuade Jesus from it. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. It's not my father who's speaking through you now. It's the devil who's speaking through you now. And you have to break that tie with the devil. And we'll hear about that next Sunday. But today, the important thing of what the gospel is telling us about is that this pop quiz that Jesus gave to his apostles is a timeless quiz. And it's offered to you this morning because it's very important that you know the answer to this. The first question is very simple and you meet all sorts of people who have all sorts of ideas of who Jesus is. And some are very good, some are better than others, and some are dead wrong. But you're not responsible for what other people think to that extent. But you are responsible for what you think. And that's why the second question is so important. And it is a question that each of us in this room have to answer before Jesus. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Or to put it in a better way, what difference does Jesus Christ make in your life? How has Jesus Christ changed your life? And what value do you put on that relationship with him? And is there anything in your life more important than your relationship with him? I can't answer that question for you. You can only answer it for yourself. But you look back at what happened with the apostles and you'll come to an understanding of how you have to come to and then hold on to the correct answer to that. And that is that you have to allow God 
to lead you in an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what difference he can make in your life if you allow him to do so. That is so important for each of us to know. And once we know to hold on to it and not let anything dissuade us from that faithfulness to Jesus Christ and the commitment that we make to him. Now, what difference Jesus makes to us, we have to exhibit by the way we live. And Jesus said the way that we live is to, get, is to love his Father and him and the Holy Spirit with all of our heart and mind and soul and to also love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And Jesus says you show that love of the Father by being faithful to him and giving him honor and praise and not letting anything take you away from him. The evidence of your willingness and desire to do that is your presence here this morning. You have come to be in his presence and to honor him as your God. But you're only here for an hour or so on one day of the week. And then we go back out there and we live our life there. And there is where we put the flesh and blood to the reality of what we really think of the Lord Jesus Christ and how we wish to dedicate our life to him. He once answered that for us when someone asked him, how do we get into the kingdom of God? How do we, uh, do we associate ourselves with him permanently? And he said, well, it's not by obeying rules and laws and regulations, but it's by the way you live and the things you choose to do. And he said, at the end of time, the Father will say, come into the kingdom because you have been faithful to me and my son and you have shown that faithfulness by giving me clothing when you found me naked, giving me food when you found me hungry, giving me water when you found me thirsty, ministering to me when I was sick and unable to care for myself and even visiting me when I had broken the law and had been marginalized from society and had been locked up in jail and you still came and ministered to me. This is the flesh and blood reality of what the Lord calls us to do. And praise God we've got Christians all over the world who are doing these things very faithfully. We've got others who are just stumbling into the, the realization that they have an opportunity to do this and that these uh, chances are available to them. And thank God that here at St. Paul's we have an opportunity to do every one of these things because we've got ministries that are deeply involved in each of these things and they just reach out for us to come and to be a part of them. That's what's so important about what's going to be taking place in September. 
when we start our training courses in Christianity to learn how we go about living our own lives and being responsible for our choices and then impacting the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. For all of those opportunities that we have to be trained in how, in practical measure, uh, we fulfill that responsibility to Jesus Christ and make him the priority uh, of our life. And all of us have been gifted by God with certain gifts that enable us to fit perfectly into various ministries that fit us like a tailor-made suit because he's given us a desire for it He's given us an ability for it, and he's given us a passion. And what we have to do is to study God's words and pray and ask him to reveal to us the passion that we have and how it can be fulfilled. And that's what we are called to do, and that's what we'll be busy about doing in the fall. Scripture also talks about this as stewardship, that we are required in living this life to give a tithe of all that we have. Our treasure, uh, our um, talent, and our time. And isn't it interesting that the tithe is the Hebrew word for ten. And that's the minimum that God asked for us. Does that bring up anything in your mind of how Uh, out of sync, that is, with the importance of what this tithe is in doing the Lord's work. Anytime you go to a restaurant in the culture in which we live, you are expected to show some gratuity for the people who waited on you, and that gratuity is somewhere between 10 and 20% if you have been served well. And what do we call that? A tip. (laughs) A tip. Are we satisfied with tipping God like we tip the waitress waitress or the barmaid? Or do we see it as an opportunity to enhance the talent and the time and the treasure that we have by giving it to God? There's an interesting little Old Testament book at the end of the Old Testament and just before the New Testament written by the prophet Malachi. And it's only four chapters long. And in the third chapter, the tenth verse, he says a beautiful thing to us. He says, you must all bring the whole tithe, the whole tithe into the storeroom of the Lord so that there will be food enough For everyone, you must bring your tithe. Give the portion of your time and of your talent and of your treasure to the work of the gospel. And it's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. He's testing us this morning with the pop quiz. And in Malachi, he says, test me in this. If you don't believe what I'm saying, he said, just try it. Test me. 
and see if I don't bless you beyond any imagination that you have. See that if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and send blessings into your life that you could never imagine by realizing the wonderful invitation that God gives to you by asking you to partner with him in the ministry of the gospel. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? And how will your understanding of Jesus Christ influence the way you live and the choices you make? I've posed a lot of questions to you this morning. And it reminds me of the old story told of the rabbi when the man comes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, do you realize that every time I ask you a question, you answer it with another question? And the rabbi said, Do I? <laughs> God asked you a very important question this morning. Amen?